Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. There is an infinite number of messages surrounding us. If we're willing to tune in and listen, we can learn a lot about our values, what companies are forcing us to accept, and where we've lost our way. Recently, through a combination of blog posts, books, and interviews on this podcast, I've been challenged to think about how the evolution of digital tools can impact our work and the mindset we bring to life. For over 20 years, I've seen tremendous growth in the affordability and power of technology. Still, I've also made concessions about what I'm willing to pay for versus building myself. And for that, there is a price. When we forget the journey of where we've been and what we can do and choose to accept the status quo, this is how things have always been. We move away from growth and cozy on up to mediocrity. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 737. Rachel Allen of Bolt from the Blue Copywriting lived up to the name of her company and heavily inspired today's episode. In her latest blog post on coerced mediocrity, or why all your tech is annoying you, she explains what we're all feeling. The frustration that comes with software, I mean digital tools, with new features added that no one is asking for, but they exist because someone might want them. And there's no way to disable or turn off these features, and it forces us, the users, to change how we use the tool. Or as Rachel says about, quote, frantic AI rollouts, they're not driven by a market that's clamoring for AI. It's fear of missing a trend on the part of the companies, end quote. Hello, Henry Ford, where's my faster horse? I can't help but think about the amazing tools made by Adobe in this context. I have been a paid user of the Adobe Creative Cloud since it came out, and I have access to unbelievable tools to make all of my work. And yet I still only use about 10% of the capabilities of the software packages. And that's not a scientific assessment by any means. But that got me thinking, who is the other 90% of capabilities of this software for? The cynic in me says influencers and corporate evangelists who drive you to invest in the company and the system, not necessarily the real-world creatives using these tools to tell better stories. Damn, Chris, that's solid grade-A cynicism. But Rachel's assessment is fabulous. Quote, if you don't have to deal with actual people as people then all of a sudden you don't have to think about providing them with something that's useful for their unique purposes or expression. You just have to find a median that serves enough of your market and then cater to that. It's not about making a tool for people to use. It's about extracting the maximum amount of resources from that particular well, in this case, customers, end quote. I highly encourage you to read this post from Rachel and subscribe to her work because it will get you thinking about the road ahead and the seamless and hidden incorporation of tech in our daily work and life. But before you think this is bunk, 
Rachel isn't the only person writing about this, and she references it in her article. But immediately I couldn't help but think about another writer, Cory Doctorow, who writes a lot about technology. And in his article, TikToks and Shitification, great word, is another must-read because he explains how platforms die. Quote, first, they are good to their users. Then they abuse their users to make things better for their business customers. Finally, they abuse those business customers to claw back all the value for themselves. Then they die. End quote and chef's kiss. At this point, you might be wondering, Chris, where are you headed with this? Well, first, I think we need to spend a little more time in reflection of the tools we use, how they inform the work we do, and the mindset that we bring to life. Do we want to use tools that are part of, as Rachel writes, quote, a race to the boring gray middle, a shapeless aggregate watered down from the millions upon millions of decisions people have made, end quote? Are these tools preventing us from becoming the best we can be? At what point do they hinder us from being people of vision, passion, and action? I feel like there's a chicken or the egg argument here, but I think we have shifted from tools shaping our vision as opposed to vision shaping the tools we use. And for over 20 years, my journey of being a creative professional has gone from an incredibly complex existence, you know, spinning up actual servers connected to a physical T1 line, to paying a monthly fee to have access to some unknown server somewhere in the world to do whatever I like. And Amazon Web Services is equally amazing, allowing you to create unbelievable services without ever wondering where the data warehouse lies in the physical world. Is something lost in our minds when we no longer think about where something exists in reality? How do we archive the ephemeral nature of digital artifacts and data? I mean, what about the shows that got removed from streaming services never to be seen again? Has the tool devoured the product at that point? While it pains me to say this, we must understand where we've been if we want to know where we are going. History, not just of land masses, countries, politics, and people, but of digital technology and connectivity provides a way to understand the reality of who made the decisions in the past that have led us to where we are today. And that evolution of powerful decision makers lead us from then to now to tomorrow. But Chris, I just want to make cool shit. I know I do too. And I will and you will. But if we took a little bit more time to ask ourselves, is there a better way to do this? The answer might be discovered in some other industry, shaped by different influences, or even massively different historical contexts. Said another way, a 50-year-old film from 1973 could actually be more impactful and relevant than anything made today. While the bulk of this rant has been focused on the tools, my recent conversation with John Ply, author of You Can Be the Best, to be released next month on the podcast, reminds me that while tools might allow us to do amazing things, the pursuit of being the best actually allows us to do things 
that the tool and its makers never knew was possible. Yes, we have to know the tool, but if we want to know what we're capable of, we have to have vision. We have to fight for it to come to life, and we have to not let the 90% of capabilities of a tool force you into what Rachel Allen wrote as, quote, coerced mediocrity. So worry less about tools. Focus more on creating the work that matters to you and the world. I think the tools will get you there, but without the vision, where will you end up? The boring middle of the road. Thank you so much, Rachel, for an amazing blog post. I can't wait to read more, honestly, because you really get me thinking. And you can find the link to her blog post at the show notes page at gwtw.co slash 737. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.